Thank you for tuning into Making It in the South Sound, the Chamber's podcast series, bringing you stories and information about and for the South Sound business community. This podcast series is made possible through the generous support of Amazon. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Andrea Ray, President and CEO of the Tacoma Pierce County Chamber. As you may have heard, the Washington Cares Fund launches July and will bring about some changes for businesses and employees across our state. I'm here with Ben Vecti, Washington Cares Fund Director at the Department of Social and Health Services, to talk about what this new program is, learn what it means for businesses, and to get answers to some of the most common questions people have. Ben, thank you so much for being here. Glad to be here. Appreciate it so much. So let's start at the very beginning. It's the very best place to start. Uh, What exactly is Washington Cares and what is the need for this program in Washington State? Thank you so much for having me. The need for this is simply that um, middle-class families don't have a way to pay for long-term care. And more and more of our families are being affected by the need for care in, in a more significant way for two reasons. One is that you know it used to be that a lot of families had a stay-at-home caregiver, uh, but nowadays almost all families need all adults in the household to work and earn money in order to pay the bills. And the second reason is that the population 85 and older in our state is doubling over the next 15 years. So more and more families are gonna have not just one, but maybe two or three older adults you know, maybe my mom, maybe my spouse's mom and dad, that we're all trying to make sure are okay as they age um, while we're still balancing our careers and maybe even raising kids at the same time. And so that's why the program was enacted. Um, and in terms of how it works, it works a lot like Medicare or Social Security. Um, everyone pays in. Uh, and then when if, you, if you experience the need for care, everyone can benefit. Now, it's absolutely not everyone because some people have applied for exemptions, but it's virtually everyone. And over time, it'll be pretty much everyone. Perfect. Well, maybe you can jump into that a little bit. You know, what are the exemptions? You mentioned exemptions. Um, and, you know, how do employers, you know, track and, and report these? Um, or what about business owners um, and people who are, who are self-employed? Is that still something sure. that they need to track? Sure, great questions. Um, So there's two kinds of exemptions. One is the ones that we had been talking about for the last couple of years, and that's private insurance exemptions. So people who had private long-term care insurance in place prior to implementation of WACARES, prior to November of 2021, had until the end of 2022 to apply for an exemption on the basis of having that coverage. But that window is now closed, um, and so either you have th- that exemption or you don't. If you do have that exemption as an employee, you give that letter, f- which you receive from the Employment Security Department, to your employer, to your HR. And HR keeps that on file. And then when they remit premiums to the Employment Security Department every quarter, they don't deduct premiums from you because you have an exemption letter on file. The second type of exemption are ones that were enacted in 2022, and there's four of those. And these are a different type of exemption. They're, they're going to re- exist forever. The private insurance ones are expired now. They, mm-hmm. They're still valid, but you can't apply for them anymore. Right. If I applied for private insurance now, it, it's, it's a moot point. Right. right exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a moot point. Mm-hmm. But there are four new categories, and these were created for people who would have had to pay in but not had a plausible path to being able to claim benefits. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you live in Idaho and you work in Spokane or 
live in, in Portland, Oregon, and you work in Vancouver. Right, which uh, a lot of people do now with, you know, hybrid and remote work, right? That's right. You know, COVID definitely kind of, you know, changed where, you know, people call home and where people call the office. That's for sure. <laughs> and so if you commute regularly across the border into Washington, uh, you, under the original law, you would have had to pay into WalkCares, but... Couldn't, you, couldn't get could, the benefit. Yeah, exactly. And so they fixed that by allowing... People in that situation can apply for an exemption if they want one and then be exempted from the program. And if, if you want that exemption, you have to go to... You can go to our website, walkcaresfund.wa.gov um, slash exemptions, apply for an exemption. And once you have that from the Employment Security Department, you give it to your employer, they have it on file, and again, they don't deduct your premiums from you. The other three categories um, of exemptions that are like that are military spouses, because they move every couple mm -hmm. of years, right. uh, workers on non-immigrant visa, so like farm workers mm -hmm. and some tech workers, mm -hmm. who if your visa says you have to leave the country after a couple Right, if you're on an H-1 visa. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And then um, and then there's a veterans who are 70% or greater service-connected disabled from the VA. Mm -hmm. They um, they can get an exemption because they have long-term care through the VA. So gotcha. those are the four new types of exemptions. Uh, which if anyone has uh, the falls into one of those categories at any point in the future, they can always apply for those and get them. Gotcha. Perfect. So basically five exemption types. One yes. is private insurance. Here's my letter, you know, saying that I have insurance, you know, from the ESD and then the four other kind of more, you know, situational life circumstance, you know, yes. types of you know situations that would, you know, preclude somebody from, you know, participating or actually yeah. receiving the benefit. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, and so how do employers, you know, track them? You mentioned like they show it to HR. Well, you know, what if you're a sole proprietor and you don't have HR, right? <laughs> you know, like, you know, how, how, or how do you track that? Right. So, well, there's, there's some two aspects to that. One is if you're self-employed, um, you're, you don't have to participate at all in law cares. Okay. Um, because we don't have a way of collecting revenue in a, in a universal way from self-employed people. So they don't. They can choose to participate if they want to. They can go to our website and mm -hmm. opt in, mm -hmm. but they don't have to. They don't have to opt out. They don't have to opt out. Yeah. And um, if you are a W, if you a regular employer and you have W two workers that report that you pay, um, for them all the exemptions work the same. Which is that if your employee has given you a letter that says they an official letter from the Employment Security Department saying that they're exempt. You put that on file for them, and you do not deduct premiums from their paychecks. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a letter, then you do deduct premiums and gotcha. remit them to uh, ESD the same way you do with paid leave premiums every quarter. So mm -hmm. the legislature did try to keep this as simple as possible for employers. It works much like the paid leave process works. Mm -hmm. uh, they tried to piggyback off that as much as possible um, and make it so the employers don't have to, quote-unquote, administer exemptions by choosing who fits an exemption category, for example, ESD does all of that for for the state, and then all the employer has to do is see is there a letter on file or not. If there is, I don't deduct. If there is not, I do deduct. Right. So that's the main responsibility then for the employer, right? So the employee is a new employee. You know, you're collecting all of the you know new employment paperwork. This would kind of be another new employment paperwork thing, right? Do you have a, a letter from the ESD? Yes. Um, just like you, you know, you need two forms of ID, right? You need to exactly. fill out, you know, your tax forms, and so that's the responsibility of the employer. Just like taking on the the new hire forms, maintaining those, you know, that letter needs to be on file. And then if that fought, that letter is on file, then deduct. If not, then then don't. Everything else is managed the same way the paid family leave is yes, managed. Yes, exactly. Okay. Perfect. 
Um, great. So how uh, can employers communicate this change, you know, to their employees uh, to help make the launch, you know, of the program, you know, as, as easy as possible, right? Those deductions are sure. going to start coming through. Some employees, you know, might not realize, you know, what that cost is. And maybe you could go a little bit into, you know, what those costs are because people's paychecks are going to be a little bit less next pay period. Sure. So we have gone to great lengths to make it easier for employers in this regard. So if you go to our website, wadcaresfund.wa.gov, we have a, a toolkit for employers there where there's a lot of content there. There's posters you can put up in break rooms if you still have an inside employment place. Um, and But there are also um, short and long-form content that you can copy and paste into employee newsletters or staff emails. Um, there are... Um, Lots of materials that you can use, paycheck, pay stub inserts that either virtual or hard copy, lots of things like that that will help you explain to your workers how this works. So I encourage you to use that. And um, the website also has a contact form if you have questions for the Employment Security Department. They administer the premium collection and they administer exemptions. So if you go to our contact page, their email address is there and their phone number for if you have any more questions about that. In terms of uh, the cost, it's the premium is 0.58% of wages so it's a little bit lower than the paid leave premium um, and so for the typical worker covered by WACARES the median worker who makes a little over $50,000 a year it's to about 290 bucks a year or 24 bucks a month that will come out of your paycheck if you make less than that you pay less if you make more you make more and over the course of a 30-year career for example um, for the median worker, that's a little under $9,000 of contributions. The benefits are $36,500, and they go up with inflation every year. So when you or I claim uh, 30 or 40 years from now, the benefits will be more like $60,000. But the, the contribution will stay the same. Contribution, it does stay the same. It's different from paid leave in that regard. Mm -hmm. In paid leave, because there's a one-year actuarial horizon where mm -hmm. every year, depending, like during a pandemic, paid leave claims go through the roof, right? right. And then premiums go up. And then if there's a period of uh, um, stability, um, people are healthier for whatever reason, uh, there might be fewer claims. And then the premiums drop again. And so premiums fluctuate. They're very dynamic in paid leave based on changes from one year to the next. Mm -hmm. For us, we have a 75-year actuarial horizon. So we plan our finances through the end of the century right now. Mm -hmm. And so we're more like an oil tanker than a speedboat. <laughs> right. So we don't change direction fast. So in our, in our law, um, the premiums can't go up. So the, it, whereas in paid leave, they have a broad uh, a, uh, range where the premiums can fluctuate. Ours can't fluctuate. So our premiums won't go up unless the legislature explicitly chooses to raise the premium. And, and they shouldn't have a reason to do so. Our, our premiums are projected to keep us solvent through the end of the century. So there's no need to raise the premium. Perfect. And I know you talked a little bit about how this is kind of similar to paid leave. Um, you know, paid leave, there is some responsibility on the employee for being able to, you know, collect, right, on, on the benefit as well as the employer. Um, can you talk just a little bit about from, you know, the employee perspective, you know, what does that, what does that look like, you know, if they need to or want to collect, you know, when, when can they, how, how will that work? Right, that's a great question. And, and also related to that, which I neglected to mention before, is that one difference is that in paid leave, the employer pays a part of the premium mm -hmm. and, the, and the worker pays the rest. Uh, in WACARES, there is no employer contribution, so it's just employee paid. That's important to keep in mind. When it comes time to claim benefits, that's long down the road for most people, hopefully, right? Um, and so when you do claim, employers aren't involved at all. Okay. Uh, so because hopefully... Because the employer is not part of that process other yeah. than just the collection from the from the payroll. 
Correct, correct. Because and when you when you need long term care, for, for most people you're unable to work at that point. For most people, it'll be later in life, mm-hmm. and maybe you're in your seventies or eighties, and you go to our website and apply for benefits um, there, and we determine if you've contributed the right number of years, and then we send someone to your home to make sure that you need care to you know prevent fraud, and then they would authorize benefits, and then you could find providers in your area to get long term care. Gotcha. Perfect. Um, and so, what's the what's the timeline in terms of you know you said when when people pay in and then yeah. you know there's there's a process I'm sure you know people can't start collecting in August when you know we're we're doing we're starting this in July. Right. Right. So it's three years down the road is when we start paying benefits, and that's mainly so that we um, can collect the premiums and invest them and start to get some investment income. Uh, we have two sources of revenue in our program: the premium revenue and then the investment income. And you know, 40 years from now, we'll have more investment income than we do premium revenue because, you know, just like for your 401k, right? Over time, the investment income is more, and so we get a little bit of a head start on that by having three years without paying benefits. Helps to keep our fi- our premiums low because we'll be getting more investment income. So we start paying benefits in 2026, and um, people, if God forbid, I were to have a motorcycle accident in 2027. Uh, or a ski accident, I could get benefits for something like that. Or if I had cancer, I could get benefits for that. Um, hopefully, I won't need benefits till I'm older, and maybe you know, a couple of years before uh, the end of my life, I might need benefits either because I can't get around the house anymore, or I might have dementia, or whatever it may be. Great. Well, I appreciate that so much, Ben. I think you kind of laid out the you know the logistics of of all of it. What employers need to know. Um, again, uh, more information is available at wacaresfund.wa.gov. Um, do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to, you know, leave our listeners with? I know that I will leave some last thoughts that, you know, my children that are listening, um, you are my long-term care plan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think that uh, for employers, I think it's important to keep in mind that as our society ages, mm-hmm. uh, one thing that peop- most people aren't aware of is that the ratio of people like my age between 40 and 64 to the ratio of people 80 and older was 7 to 1 in 2010. It's going to be 3 to 1 in 2050. Right. And yeah, we're all getting older. We're all right? getting older. And it's not fair to ask our kids to you know take care of us when we're older. <laughs> right, but it's also going to affect employers because sure. you know, sp- women, unfortunately, because they're more generous than men on average, uh, tend to be the ones... You heard it here, folks. You heard it here. <laughs> tend to be the ones who take this on, right? And so um, I know... It's an, it's an equity issue. It's an equity issue, absolutely. And I know on my own team, I, I we're 90% women on my team. And they're... Uh, if people have to leave their job to care for a loved one, um, it really affects the productivity of an organization. And so if a program, when this is in place and people can access, families have access to higher professional home care aid, it means that more people can stay in the workforce and stay productive in their prime years of their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And it should help the economy as well. Um, just like good child care helps, right. helps the economy for the same reason. So I think we'll see some benefits over the long term from that. Great. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ben. I really appreciate it. Uh, And that does it for this episode of Making It in the South Sound. Thank you so much for joining us. Episodes can be found on the Chamber's website, www.tacomachamber.org. Look for the link on the homepage and in the top menu. You can listen to Making It in the South Sound directly on our website and wherever great podcasts are found. Remember to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. We again want to thank Amazon. Their generous commitment makes this series possible. Thank you and listen for future episodes coming soon.